on this week's Bet the Process podcast, Rufus and our mystery guests convince me to bet on the Niners. It's very compelling, their argument. We talk a little bit about the Calcutta and how I'm definitely going to be a loser in the Calcutta, which is sad, but we also talk about some insights for this coming week's games that hopefully will make you some money, but most likely not. So with that, let's start the process. Bet the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Welcome to the podcast. Bet the process. It's not the typical cookie cutter nonsense. If you came just for picks, you're in the wrong place. Find a talent with the narrative to make a strong case. Instead of blindly assuming a team must be tanking, we're looking for the edge of Massey Peabody rankings. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. Welcome to another episode of the Bet the Process podcast where we have a guest who has been part of our Calcuttas um, and uh, is has one of the top, what, seven sports betting podcasts other than Bet the Process. So top eight. Um, top ten, maybe. Top nine, yeah. top 11. I mean, what would you guys consider to be the top five sports betting podcasts like that you would honestly well, for who? listen to? No, that like us, for us, that we'd actually want to listen to. Like, okay, for, for betters that – are not Billy Barstools, basically. Sure. Okay. Mm. Well, right. in my what rotation, yeah. It, yeah, in my rotation, the the ones I'm most excited about when they're new ones are this business we chose with Philip Shepard. Um, that one, he has got, had a very interesting swath of guests. Uh, what is have it you called? heard any of this? T, this business we chose. T- I've never heard of WBC. That. Are you guys kidding me? No, I mean, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. I'll, I'll send you the one you did with JT Spoon. It was outstanding. Uh, one of my favorites. There's I can't a, even understand what you're saying. This business, <laughs> this business we chose. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a very uh, niche podcast. Um, all advantage players, all big time, you know, relatively sharp folks. Great stories. Uh, he did a, f- you guys know who Hagrin, NFL? I mean, okay. I know uh, tw- him on Twitter. No, on Twitter. He, he did a four-hour episode with Hagrin. Well, four um, hours is a lot. That's a big commitment. <laughs> yeah, that uh, that one is I, I, that one's absolutely worthwhile, though. Um, and it has a lot of uh, just great stories with people who are like actually skin in the game. You you'll you you would you'll know almost everyone who's on the on the list. Um, Do you listen to Risk? I love Risk of Ruin. I think that's a fantastic podcast. No, oh, that one's new to me. Oh really? It's so it's not just sports Rufus, betting. It's Rufus gambling. was on it. This Rufus was on it. They did one on. Rufus. So so was they did a really good one on Joey Tunes. Um, I think it was okay. Made in America. It's it's about the intersection of gambling and life. That's what I think. That's the. It, it's kind of an NPR style podcast. It's really really well produced, and so it is really I mean, well. Produced. I actually liked it when I listened to it, and he actually had asked me to go on it, and I, I don't do a ton of podcasts anymore because i'm pretty important if you guys don't know but um <laughs> i i will i want to go on it now because he, he he did such a good job with making you sound cool which is a very hard thing to do rufus it's true it's, just it's, hard. A, it's a solid gloss um the uh the first episode of tbwc 
was with a guy Joey Isaacs who's on Twitter who's got it you know he's he's an advantage player and a bunch of bunch of angle he, he's got a really good tennis handicap really nice guy and um he cool. told I, once, I, now I got it this business we've chosen there you go yeah yeah that's I literally right. could not <laughs> you, you plugged the wrong podcast WBC maybe yes. th- maybe there's a podcast yeah. called this business we chose that's about like the you know the porn industry or something <laughs> <laughs> oh, if you like this one, you might also like Circles Off, yeah, there you Process, go. Yeah. Deep Dive, yeah, there you go. Props and Hops, Brown Bag Ooh. Bets, The Wide World of Wine Garden, yeah. Gambling with an Edge, You Better You Bet, The Simple Handicap, uh, RJ Bell, no, it's not on there, just kidding, Matchbook <laughs> Betting Podcast, a Football Analytics Show, it's cool. That's a pretty solid slate. All top, top, you know, top to bottom. Circles off with Rob is very entertaining. They have some great people on there. Um, I, you know, bet the profit process. I bet you guys, you you guys joke about listenership, but I know you're probably, um, you know, I don't know if you expect it to be as big of a footprint as you ended up with when you started doing this. But this is a really well listened to show. It is. Yeah. We have <laughs> we have seven, we have seven yes. very influential listeners. Yeah, I mean, you're get, you're ca- you're capturing yeah you're capturing a slice that is like literally people who who matter more much more so than the um, you know than the uh, the bar stools of the world you know. Well, seven, o- there's only seven people that matter. Enough navel gazing for now. Um, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about the Calcutta. I, this is my mea culpa, right? Like I knew I was going to lose in the Calcutta at some point, but. This is one I'm definitely going to lose in. And I was lucky enough to buy 30% of Kansas City or, sorry, trade for 30% of Kansas City with Rob P. Wait, who'd you give him? It was 30% of Kansas City for 28% of Green Bay and like 27% of the Raiders. Mm -hmm. So it was a dollar for dollar basically bet to get, you know, shares that, that worked out to each other. So... So Rob wants a do-over. Yeah. Is there, Dude, is I wanted – if yeah. we had a do-over of the draft, we would – we if we had a do-over of the draft, we probably would have ended up with Tennessee. We probably would have ended up with Kansas City. And we probably would not have ended up with the the Bucks. But so we probably – we would still would have had Green Bay. So we probably would be not that dissimilar a place because Tennessee would have gone – would have been nothing and – um, we'd at least have all of Kansas City, so we'd probably have a chance to basically make 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 a little bit of money. Um, and and you, Drew, you have the Rams still, right? How do you? I mean, I assume you feel pretty good about your position now. Yeah, I'm free rolling. Um, I'm net positive on the Rams, assuming that the uh, side pots don't come into play for largest against the spread win and fourth down conversions. I'm like almost exactly square on the bills um but i gotta tell you um after those one seeds went down down. when the one seeds went down on saturday i will admit i did you know gamblers uh kind of uh you know 101 don't do this i was literally counting the chips like holy fucking shit the bills and the rams could both be hosting the (laughs) the mc nfc championship game and then could ship how much would that add up to and i was you know it was uh uh, definitely got a little bit excited there before, and, you know, and, did, you, and then, did you end up, you know. did you end up watching the Kansas city Buffalo game or did you just follow mm-hmm. on your phone or do you follow? No, I'm just kidding. I mean, obviously. <laughs> who are you rooting for in that game? 
I was pulling for Josh Allen to finally get it done. Uh, and honestly, uh, unfortunately, uh, I agreed to go live if it went to overtime. We do the halftime show stream with Andy during uh, all of these big time games. And he was like, if this goes to overtime, you got to come on live and we'll live stream overtime. And uh, I had a fucking meltdown. <laughs> it was not it was it was uh, not my finest moment. Um, uh, I think I probably created some entertaining content, but uh, I was fucking miserable. I, I saw that on Twitter. <laughs> I haven't watched what you actually did. Now I need to go back and watch what you actually did. What's funny about that game is so I go and pick games every Friday on Tony Kornheiser's podcast. And, you know, like it's at fucking 5 a.m. for me. So I'm tired and I'm trying to just at least act witty and not just be a shill picking games. And this last one, when I was picking the nine, I sorry, the, the Chiefs Bills game, I said, well, this game, if I were uh, I was basically like if I didn't understand the word literally, I would say this game is literally a coin flip. Yeah. And it turns out that it was literally a coin flip so yeah what a what a terrible terrible situation so you when, lost against they, the spread is what you're saying what's that so you lost against the spread if the game was literally a no, coin I, picked flip. Kansas took- City. I picked kansas oh. City because i just ultimately at the end of the day in those situations on kornheiser show i'm literally i'm like picking who i like kind of want to root for at some level and Let's i hope your listeners aren't the, the people following your picks aren't hearing this I'm like, hopefully TK is not hearing this. I'm sure he isn't. He definitely, he doesn't oh, even, he's, I'm sure he's never even heard of at the process. No, he talks about at the process. What? Ever heard? He talks about it all the time. He always asks how Rufus is doing, which is weird because the fact that he still remembers who you are is amazing to me. No, I'm not, I'm not nearly as well known as you. No, but like it, I told you, remember we talked about this. We're like going into this game and this is actually one of the things I want to talk today about. Right. Which is, like gambling at this point now has become very recreational for most people. Right. And especially if you go into this, this NFL, like at this point, we believe like these lines are very efficient. Like it's really hard to find value per se. Like, how would you look at betting these games this weekend? We can wait to do that. Like I would rather still kind of recap last weekend, but we can go into that um, afterwards. So if we go back to this previous weekend, and think about all of the games and the way they played out. Are there any games that you would go back and look at now after you saw what happened and think the wrong side covered or the wrong side won? Right? Like, you know, it's really easy to go back. Cincinnati, Tennessee. I think Cincinnati, like, since I, I think Tennessee clearly looks like the better team. I mean, they just think about that, that defensive line. Um, it was just the turnovers. I think they're the better team. Like they looked like the better team. They didn't win the game. Drew, do you have one? Uh, I thought the Niners deserved the cover the way that that defense played, but um, getting a net plus 10 on special teams is like a once in a lifetime kind of deal. Um, and that ended up giving you a three point win. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a, uh, uh that one's the one that sticks with me a little bit. Um, now it benefited me. I get, you know, I get the Rams now get to host, you know, the uh, NFC right. championship instead of being meaningful dogs on the road. But um, 
Yeah, that one was tough. And honestly, I held, um, okay. So like Dave, like, uh, the bills and, and, uh, Sean McDermott, I thought learned some valuable lessons last year in the chiefs loss in the AFC title game, right? Like they didn't take that, like they weren't, they didn't really have the stakes, uh, clearly defined. Like they didn't, they, they, they were selling for field goals. Um, they didn't go into that the mindset of we need to get to 30 points to win this game. Um, and ultimately I think that cost them really any realistic shot of winning last year. And then I think in both the times they played Kansas city this year, um, they played with more aggressiveness, more urgency. They understood the stakes a lot better. And, uh, I thought that maybe, um, LaFleur had learned that last year in losing to Tampa Bay the way they did. But uh, he really did not adjust very well against San Francisco. Um, I thought there were a lot of ways you could have tried to at least help Rodgers neutralize the impact of the pass rush was having on their offense. Um, but he seemed pretty determined that that was all on Rodgers just not getting the ball out of his hand quickly enough, and he kept calling the same stuff. And uh, that was pretty, that was pretty uh, surprising for a home team with a weak rest um, to roll out a game plan that gets you 10 points, uh, in that spot. I thought, I, I will say, I mean, I think the weather certainly had an impact. It just didn't seem like, I mean, when you were watching, it just didn't seem like a kind of game where either team was going to be very explosive. Just, I mean, obviously it, it, you know, it wasn't super windy or anything like that. And, and, you know, but I think when the weather, when it gets that, that cold, I think it has an impact and this isn't, this is a semi-statistical argument because I think overs have done quite well and really, really low temperature games in the NFL, but I think it's also a small sample size. And I think also um, that doesn't tell you anything about market reaction, but it, it looked to me like it had an impact. I don't know. Well, so what was interesting, right? Um, that game to me, at least is to your point, um, Drew, like, Green Bay, like I thought that Green Bay would be able to score because of the weak secondary that the Niners had. And I thought like they, you know, Rodgers is, can move, can buy himself time, would be able to, especially like, you know, make some big plays. So, I mean, I, I, I honestly was hosting uh, an event that night and the game was on in the background. So I didn't actually get to watch a ton of the game until the end. And, and like, you know, when I look back on that game, I feel good about my Green Bay buy. Like, I feel like I would be fine. Like Tampa, I definitely feel bad about. Like Tampa had no business being in there. And even like going into that Tampa game, I kind of felt like I was drawing dead just with everything that like I knew about the Rams and the health of like Tampa and everything like that. I, I really did feel like I was drawing dead. And the fact that they tied that thing, I was like, this is this this can't even really happen. Like, it was absurd but like again like if you go back to these games like that the you know like here's one that i would say like if you could go back right now knowing what you know not knowing what actually is the outcome what's the one bet that you would make right now if you could pick one bet to make about the divisional round yeah or about the playoffs overall? like last week you like mean- seeing do you mean like the fundamentals? Like you knew how they would play, but not the rant, the, the stuff that's predictive in essence, not, but not like the block punt. 
Yeah, I mean, I so not for the me, it would, chance for, things for me. It would probably be the Rams, right? Rams, like, Rams I, yeah, right. Either Rams or Rams team total over, um, just because you you didn't know exactly what you were going to get with Brady going up against the Rams defense. He could have right. performed well, but you did. You definitely knew that the aggressive Todd Bowles Tampa Bay defensive style was going to be uh, vulnerable. Uh, Stafford has excelled against exactly that type of defense, not just in their first meeting, but in every type, every time he's faced that kind of a defense all season, he's done really well. And um, you, and Todd Bowles is not, he's not game by game adjusting. He has one, you know, one, one general philosophy that he rolls out there, one scheme. His guys are going to be aggressive. He's going to leave his cornerbacks, his safeties on islands. And uh, that's, that's really like something that Stafford has taken advantage of pretty regularly this whole season, I think. So that was one that I think in hindsight was there for the taking that I wish I was a little more uh, aggressive on. Yeah. So I took, I took Tampa Bay. I took Tampa Bay minus two and a half. So cause South, cause I, yeah. Plus oh, minus two and a half. Yeah. No South point, South point doesn't um, use, well, they only use minus one ten on sides, NFL sides. And so the market was minus three, you know, plus money everywhere, basically minus three, even money. And so I minus two and a half minus one ten was essentially mm-hmm. midpoint, like vig free Chris pinnacle. And my number made it like four point something. And I wanted some action. I had uh, Tampa in the over in that game. So when they came back and tied it, at least I was like, well, that feels a little better at that moment, you know? Yeah. And they, that game had so many chances to go over. That was the crazy thing. Like, missed field goals. Like, yeah. Yeah. Two other things about the Green Bay game that stuck with me. You get a real different outcome there if Mercedes Lewis doesn't fumble on the second drive for them because they were moving so, so, so effectively. So and they, tell, me, yeah. tell, me, tell me why. My impression also is that that's the case, right? It felt yeah, like yeah. they were going to go in. Looks like a blowout. And there was yeah. a boat race happening. But like that seems kind of absurd, right? Like, why does that one this is not like sliding some sliding door shit? Like that moment does not change. Why do you think that changes things? So momentum. Two squ- I'm making that, the, amazingly, even though for all until the blocked pump was returned for a touchdown it felt like Green Bay, like that was their game to lose. Like they were in complete control, but it was never even a two-score game. Like n- like never. In fact, uh, you know, I think they hold them, yeah, it was 7-0, 7-3, 10-3, and then 10-10, right? If it's 14-0 um, and your defense is playing up the way they were and they're, you know, you're, you're they, you know, they sacked Garoppolo on third and everything, I felt like, all game long. Right. Particularly in that first half, they were so on it. Um, <clears throat> Green Bay is a good front-running team. Uh, you know, in general, uh, I think you put a little bit more pressure on the San Francisco defense where, you know, you have positive field position instead of being backed up in your end, end zone. Matt LaFleur is calling a little bit more aggressive game. Um, you know, every single possession – after that Mercedes Lewis fumble, Green Bay was backed up inside their own 20, and Matt LaFleur was calling some pretty conservative early down runs that were going nowhere. Right. Um, yeah, so I think in general, it's a little bit more wide open first half, and you could probably end up with, a, say, a three-score margin, and at which point San Francisco is out there in the freezing cold 
Jimmy Garoppolo is not completing passes. The pass rush is coming on every third down. A lot of obvious passing downs. Uh, I think that probably gets away from San Francisco at that point. That'd be my gut. Yeah. I mean, I felt that way at the time. And the thing is, I had Niners plus six. And so part of me was like, okay, with the Niners keeping it close. Because I actually did not think they were going to win. I really didn't. And even, I, you know, then obviously when the block punt, I was like, this is now real. But I thought Rodgers was going to be able to march down the field, right? And then, um, do you guys remember, and I'm sure you guys do, the Debo run that got them into field goal range? Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, yeah, at the very like the very heard, end of the game, right? Yeah. So I have heard people and I that say like I heard Booger McFarlane and some other people say like that was a testament, or I don't even know if it was Booger McFarlane. I don't, don't want to like disparage anyone, but like I had heard people say that that was an example of Shanahan not trusting Jimmy G, and I a hundred percent disagree because I think that play was a hundred percent needed to be a run because you needed to make sure that you could bleed the clock down, you know, and you needed like in the worst case that you didn't get, like it just made way, like it had to be a run. And I kept saying like, they have to run this year. They have to run this year. And like, I thought for sure they weren't going to get it because they were going to run it there. And then they ended up getting it. I don't know what you guys thought at the moment. I, I completely agree. And I thought if you run it there or you do something where you guarantee the clock keeps running, then you can actually go for it on fourth down. It becomes four down territory if you. If no, you don't. You don't go for it, but you give yourself a chance. To no, no, because you, you can go for it. I, I believe you then would be able to go for it and not leave really realistically enough time left for the Packers. Um, and and because that go was my for thought it to get enough yards for a kick. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because well, yeah, because if you kick if if you kick then, well. I mean, what was the time remaining? Do, do you remember exactly when, when that run happened? They could have run it down all the way, I think. I, what I, I remember think... thinking to myself was they can run this, whatever yards they get, they get, and then they can at least get a field goal off with no time, like a relatively risk-free field goal off minus the block idea, right? Yeah. And so I thought like that was the sort of, they were in a free option standpoint where they like had to run that there. Yeah, I believe they had bled. That was the last of the Green Bay timeouts. Right. It was a minute left in the game. You convert that first down. You can take it to the. You can take it to the last play of the game as your field goal attempt. Um, if they run that, and, I, and honestly, like even watching that play, um, there was a defensive back. Uh, it was Jair Alexander actually, uh, who had a play on yeah. Debo to stop him after about five yards. And he put his shoulder into his thigh. And it was like, that's that's your attempt. Like, this is the most dynamic player, the most dynamic athlete on the field for the Niners. And that's that's what you're that's what you're gonna do. Uh, and it was, you know, he got four yards after contact, and that was enough for the first down. Um, and that was the game. Uh, Gould still had to make a pretty difficult field goal. 45 yards in those conditions isn't trivial. Um, but uh, yeah, that was pretty shocking. Uh, that, I mean, that's uh, where well, it's cold outside. Many years in in Chicago probably was like a pretty, it, you know, it wasn't for him. It wasn't that bad. Well, he's never missed a playoff field goal in his life, right? Isn't he nineteen for nineteen? That's it's impressive. Yeah. yeah so it was one oh three. There was one oh three left. Okay, in the in Green Bay, no timeouts. Ran that play. 
Green Bay had no timeouts, I take it. Yeah, that Green Bay had used yeah, their Yeah, so, so, right. So in that case, you can, if you don't get it and you're not in field goal range, you can still go for it. It's, yeah. it's two down. I, th- I think Shanahan was, I, I assume, because I think very highly of him, I think he was th- viewing it as four down territory there. Because if you don't get it, essentially, you're giving the Packers the ball back with no timeouts and, in essence, what, 15 seconds maybe and needing to go 30 yards or so. Yeah, which only Pat Mahomes can do apparently. But yeah. the um, the your point is well, fair. I don't think Mahomes it spoke much. Out. Yeah, he did. That. That's a good point. I don't think uh, I don't think it spoke to anything about Garoppolo Shanahan relationship at all. In fact, I thought Garoppolo overall in the fourth quarter kind of found a little bit of form. He had a couple of big passes on that drive, right? Yeah, he was, was. T- and he was targeting like and, and again, kind of. If that game was won, it was because of coaching adjustments on the San Francisco side and lack of adjustments on the Green Bay side. Um, Garoppolo was only completing one pass in that game, and it was over the middle, five to ten yards. And they went there when they needed it, and it worked. And for whatever reason, Green Bay did not adjust their defense. They had guys double cut. You know, they, they San Francisco had guys running routes. You know, down the sidelines. 15 20 yards and green bay was like all over that like that was going to be the game breaking play and it's like i'm not sure what game they're watching but jimmy grappler was not making those passes like he's not in this weather not in his not with his injury um and so instead they go with the easy stuff over the middle to kittle and it worked like a charm and green bay never adjusted they did not do that same thing themselves offensively they tried to you know let plays develop downfield and the defensive line just completely collapsed the pocket over and over again Aaron Rodgers was a sitting duck in that one so it was a I that mean, was a coach it was a it was a pretty spectacular coaching failure for Green Bay in my opinion and uh you know credit to uh you know Shanahan for getting out of there with the win uh, I I just ran my game grades actually so if, if we want to like I have Green Bay is is better by a little over a point but um they were better. I mean, with that, that also controls for home field advantage too. So with the spread or not? No, I mean, that's, that's just the, the game grade. So, so you but think again, the Green Bay should have won that's, that by that's, well, no, no, that you can't actually do it exactly like that because it's controlling for the fact that Green Bay is playing San Francisco um, and or, or what we expected San Francisco's quality to be and Green Bay is playing at home, you know? And so, so like it's Green like, Bay should have won by more than that. You're saying, because they're starting as a better yeah. team. Yeah, right. Exactly. San Francisco is being compared. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. It's um, and so, but but what's interesting, like at the top, the the Rams Bucks is a huge huge difference there. Um, yeah, that's what I was. The Rams, the Rams is like seventeen points better fundamentally. Um, Kansas City was about five points better fundamentally than Buffalo. Kansas City was ninety seventh percentile um, play success rate, which is by far the highest of any team on offense. LA was really, really good play success defense. They were 96th percentile that like there, and that's just historical comparison. That means basically they're better than, you know, 96% of team games. Um, the chiefs yards per play 96th percentile too. So uh, if, what's interesting is the Tennessee game. Yeah. Like Tennessee dominated in yards per play. They were, um, and about the same play success, but yards per play 81st percentile to 51st percentile for Cincinnati. So it was just about it was just the turnovers there. Yeah, first and last pass for Tannehill in that game were a pick. Yeah, I had Tampa Bay as the worst performance of all the teams. Yeah, 
I mean, honestly, felt like I was drawing dead the whole time. And the fact that that game ever got tied was maybe one of the most absurd things if you think about it. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, I I had a Tampa Bay ticket, but I still like if I the last two minutes of both of those Sunday games cost me immensely. Whereas the last two minutes of both of the Saturday games are pretty good. As I I bet San Francisco money line um, before like shortly before the game began. What did you get as a price? Well, I got plus two ten, and then it steamed up to it was. I got a. I, I ended up getting a plus two twenty eight. Um, That's why I told you CLV doesn't matter. Remember. Well, when you're betting right at the close, I, I like it was a few. It was maybe ten minutes before the game where the, where the market went up, <laughs> and it was plus two twenty eight. But I'll tell you, man, the end of that Buffalo Kansas City game for how amazing it was. It was equal. It was it was equally bad to my wallet. You have the, the under Buffalo, in the game. I had the second half under. I had Mahomes under one and a half touchdown passes. Oh. I had no, Kelsey oh. no touchdown. Yeah, oh. that was a bad. Kelsey Kelsey no touchdown. Tyreek Hill under seventy one and a half to 74 and a half receiving yards, Kelsey under five and a half receptions. Um, these bets all lost at the end. Um, oh my there's God. A, there's another one or two. Yeah, it was a you... six figure. It was a six figure swing for me. Cause I was able to, I was able to get down the decimal point or not. <laughs> I was able to get down last weekend kind of in, it was sort of a dress rehearsal for the Super Bowl a little bit, but nice. I was able to get down over 400,000 in props. So I was pretty happy with that. Wow. Nice. Yeah, and broke right. even. It was it was going to be a huge win. Who's and taking that people. kind of Who's taking that kind of liquidity for player props in the divisional round? It's all. I mean, it's just there a bunch of different places. Oh, it's, you're spread. You're, I, you're, 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 I drove to Arizona to hit some of the the books that are not in Nevada, and basically, did I, you I really? Just, oh, I did. Yeah, I had a huge position on Josh Allen under rushing yards, and I, it felt like I was drawing dead after like the middle of the second quarter, but still with like seven minutes to go, he wasn't over until that last drive that, or that what looked like the last drive, the 17 play drive that got them, um, you know, down to like a minute and a half. Yeah. Little did you know that but, wasn't even be close to the last drive. That was good. No, I know. I know. I early graded the under one and a half Mahomes put, t- passing touchdowns because Mahomes had the ball back with like a minute 20 to go down three sitting on one passing touchdown. And I was like, okay, it goes to overtime. He can only get one touchdown. If they score a touchdown here, you know, then even it, then they go up four. So overtime's not in play. I, I didn't, I, I failed to consider they could go touchdown touchdown field goal that they could get three legitimate possessions in that time field goal to force overtime and then a touchdown you're the one reason that that happened because you early graded. Yeah, it's your fault yeah, yeah but i didn't early, i i early graded it after <laughs> buffalo um scored okay but I, about- I, I also had a lot in buffalo futures tickets for afc and super bowl i didn't realize how much i had till i saw them all graded afterwards um yeah <laughs> not not a good ending for me what, what was your on. what was your entry point on all the Buffalo? I honestly don't remember. I had some. Um, there was some twelve to one Super Bowls. Oh, okay, so you so, were like you were like when they were looking like they were going to lose the AFC East. Yeah, yeah. I also had some division AFC to East divisional stuff. Um, I think this the entry point was largely before they had their first head to head meeting with New England. Actually, okay. I think I think I had. Yeah, I mean they they weren't they were a good team, but they were i don't know a little undervalued i thought i also had titans futures that lost and bucks futures that lost but i'm still holding some niners futures that's all i got left i mean if you want sob stories man i mean the 
I'm not staking the way you are in any of this, but uh, I'm probably I'm almost certainly going to get second in every awards market <laughs> across everything with incredible prices. Um, All you can do talked, is control yeah. your process, right? Like you clearly, yeah. it means that you clearly were, you know, things went the way you had hoped generally, but you can't, you know, it was off you know Mark by, like, DeRosa? Yeah, by a degree, like one degree off of just freaking sweeping the awards. A lot of the divisional prices I was high on, uh, ended up as wildcard teams, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, wild, wild stuff like that up and down. Mark DeRosa, who won the Tom Brady features and the Lamar Jackson features for, and the time I knew him before he, someone call him so Ed many Ed teach. Exactly. Um, Ed teach got second on so many of those types of things, uh, you know, and so many futures over the years. I mean, it's crazy. Well, yeah. I mean, both with when I was working with him and, and later, I mean, I still remember back in the day we had San Francisco futures the year they, it was the first year. It was the year with Alex Smith where they beat the saints and then Kyle Williams muffed two punts for them to lose to the Giants the year the oh, Giants won the Super Bowl. We had so <laughs> much. We had to win hundreds of thousands of dollars in Niners futures to to just win the even just win the conference. And it was man, that was a bad that was one. so tilting at the time. Um, my on a positive note, I had a couple windfalls. <laughs> the uh, best of them was uh, a fifty to one Urban Meyer first coach fired. Um, and what was especially hilarious is they didn't grade Gruden as the first coach fired because he resigned. <laughs> so oh, that one was that one grade. was wild. Um, and uh, there was a uh, there were a couple other incredible breaks that we got along the way on some things, but that one stands out. All right, can we move on to this week's games? I'd be curious to see. What, so we go into this week's games, and what I'd love to do is like see what your prices are or what your models say on spread and total. And then I'd love to think about creating the, the you know, data-driven narrative around what side or what total you might take based on like what goes beyond the numbers. So Rufus, what do you make the Chiefs Bengals? It's sitting at seven and 54 and a half on Chris right now. What do you make that line in total? Um, I make the line, I'm pulling up my sheet, 5.9. And I make the total. Um, wait, I get the weather, it's 45 degrees, 55 degree wind. Um, sorry, I had to add that because uh, I wasn't anywhere close, actually. Um, I make the total 53.6. How about you, Drew? Uh, so this one's funny because I bet – the Chiefs minus seven, but my numbers would say fair is six and a half here. Um, what do you make the total? Uh, I make the total 55. Okay, so give me the narrative on why you took the Chiefs minus a seven. Okay. Uh, I don't think it's reasonable to use any type of season-long data to realistically capture the way that the Chiefs offense is performing right now. Um. Interesting argument. What's what's the? Can I ask? Is your argument essentially that they were leaving, you know, guns in the chamber um, during the yeah. regular season, and they were just yeah. they were kind of coasting? Although in reality, they started slow. They, they've been more like Belichickian in the fact that they started slow and then picked it up. But 
there are, there, there, are th- there are three three things that I think factor into this, and they're out there. This isn't even narrative necessarily, but Tyreek Hill certainly was hurt for about a good portion of the early part of the season. His game breaking well, speed was not there. For I saw it with my eyes, like there he could not get separation on guys that he should have been absolutely cooking uh, through the months of like you know we'll say we'll say like Eagles after the Eagles game, like there was like a four week stretch there where he just was not the same guy. Um, Wait, what, what week was the Eagles game? Because I've been going uh, through all these guys' snap counts. Say like and, and performances for props. Five, week five, maybe? So, yeah, he got so right. Okay, he got hurt and then he was questionable for the Washington football team game in week six where he only played 57% yeah. of the snaps. And so, but like still after that, um, you know what, like he still had, what, nine catches, six catches, 12 catches. You're right, He but nine catches, 76 yards, six catches, 49 yards, six catches, uh, 12 catches, 94 yards. Like he was not getting a lot of yards yeah. per catch. Some of that was the way but the defenses the th- were playing them. They were playing the too high safety look, which was kind of changing what the defense was dictating that the Chiefs would do offensively. But I think a lot of that was also he couldn't create the same separation to get the home run. I don't know. I mean, I thought it was later in the season where he was limited. I mean, he was hurt. We missed time week 16 and week 18 um, and basically had down games as a result yeah. of that. I think he, it was, that was a separate injury. That was like a heel. He had like a hamstring yeah. in September, October that impacted his performance. Um, so that was a big one. That changed the whole way that Chiefs kind of approached game planning. Go ahead. What do you think of Ma- the, the Mahomes – not that running was the another, ball as much that's in the regular season. That's another point. That's another point for sure. That's something, that is 100% that's that, real. I, I that's something it. I've run into. Yeah. I mean, that's something I've run into in modeling props. And it, you know, the narrative obviously makes sense, right? You're, you're, what do you have to save yourself for in the playoffs versus in a regular season game? And, and look at what happened with Mahomes in the quarterback sneak when he, what, what he dislocated his or broke his kneecap, whatever it was, it yep. was the brutal injury, dislocated kneecap, I think it was. Yep. Yep. And so, or patella, yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that the kneecap? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I broke my kneecap <laughs> in high school, so <laughs> I, I know that well. Um, <laughs> but it's but my, so for me, it's interesting to be like, well, how much of that effect, like the effect? Sure, it, it's real to some extent, but how real is it? If he's yeah. overperformed, if he's running, you know, what if his scramble rate is, you know, is it six per? percent instead of four percent or something or is it like you know i mean that those are just num- fake numbers but yeah the um 50 of his overperformance in the playoffs is legit and 50 percent is noise or you know what how would you hey speaking of props did you get a prop price on him for a highest uh rushing total in divisional weekend i did not what do you think that I, price I, got, I got a price on cooper cup highest receiving yard <laughs> total of four players at like plus 180. And I like was like true price of plus 140. Yeah, and he Pat won. Ended up, though, yeah. Uh, ended up with 69 yards rushing, which was the top rushing total in all of Divisional Weekend. Uh, Wait, it be... Must've, that must have been an absolutely awesome price. I can't imagine. Derrick Henry was like 63, I guess. 62, maybe? 63. 62, yeah. okay. Deontay Foreman was 63. Josh Allen was number two, 68. Those two guys were one and two, two quarterbacks. quarterbacks rushing in Divisional I t- Weekend. I took, I took Debo. <laughs> For the fun of it, which now, like in retrospect, probably wouldn't have been a bad if he had just broken one. He yeah, all here. He only needed one. Yeah. Top. Yeah. Your top rushing performance was 69 yards. But um, there's yeah, without question, the there there are two things about the Chiefs 
that besides injuries that impacted their performance this year, one of them, I think they were saving a lot of the good plays involving Kelsey. Um, I think they do play a little chicken about how they, how they utilize him in the passing game in the regular season. Um, and then surely the Mahomes scramble thing, um, you know, the, he must, they must've just drilled it into his head in the regular season, like stay in the pocket, don't run, do not risk it. Do not get hurt. Like your, your health is our number one priority. Um, because it's they, they like you literally the day it was maybe uh, I, I have to look a little bit closer at his game by game logs here, but there was literally a game down the stretch where they like it looked like they flipped the switch and they were like, hey, man, uh, if it's a third down and blank and, you know, you, you know, the, the pocket breaks and you have an avenue like you can go ahead now. And the minute that that like you add that element to what is already a 99th percentile offense, they become unstoppable. And so whatever APA model or yards per play, whatever input you would use for the Chiefs offensively based on the regular season is going to be low, in my opinion. They're already the number one offense in football, according to all my numbers. So it's still low, though. It's still low. And this is the same kind of deal that we had with them two years ago in the playoffs where it was like, you know, they, they had some advantage matches matchups in terms of who they played defensively. Like the Texans defense was garbage. The Titans defense was vulnerable. Um, but that, uh, you know, that offense was capable of scoring 50 points if they felt like it. And I feel like the same about the way that they're playing right now. Um, and a lot of it, I think, is is the Mahomes rushing element. Like it's it's not impossible to defend. Um, you know, defenses, smart defenses may have some way of doing it, but you're worried about so many things. You're worried about the home run to Tyreek Hill. I mean, shit, you're worried about a 10-yard pass over the middle to Tyreek Hill turning into an 80-yard run now. Um, you know, the, it, the plays it, that they run to Kelsey, you know, that like in a good if, if if things, you know, if if things go well for you defensively against the Chiefs, you're you're hoping that they're getting it done to the Pringles and the Hardmans and the Robinsons of the world, right? And now it's like they, now you are like oh shit now it's actually Hill, Hill Kelsey and Mahomes scrambling that we have to worry about and I don't know and how don't to forget Blake Bell holes <laughs> Blake Bell. the, the, the yeah. true the true weapon <laughs> there is a bunch of things that Andy Reid does that is like it's hysterical like if he just cut out some of the nonsense in his playbook he would it would be even that much more dangerous but, but yeah you got to um, you got to put that stuff on tape you got to I mean nobody sees it coming I think we're yeah. No. I think so, I think yeah. the things that seem nonsensical seem that way because they didn't work. But if they worked, everybody'd be like Andy Reid, what what a genius! The ones yeah. that seem nonsensical but work, we yeah, I think we have a little bit of an outcome bias. Yeah. So basically, if you're doing a medium projection to bring this back to kind of math and numbers, if you're doing a medium projection for what the Chiefs' offense is capable of hitting in terms of their percentile output, yardage and scoring in this game, and it's based on regular season data, I think your median is bias low, and I think the likelihood. You know, and if you're if you're if you want to say that well, they're going to hit higher than their median, they're they're probably going to hit their 84th percentile or their 95th percentile because they have stuff that they've been working on that they know is devastating that they haven't put on film yet that they've been saving for this time of year. Um, you know, I think I think uh, all of the likelihood skews to the Chiefs, uh, you know, offense, you know, continues to overperform this game and then. Um, you know, if they play the Rams, they probably overperform in the, in the Super Bowl. If they play the Niners, it may be closer. I don't know. They didn't overperform in the Super Bowl against Tampa Bay. What happened to their bullets at that time? 
Well, they were just beat up on the offensive line, right? Yeah, that's a fair point. That, I mean, they like going into that. It, it doesn't, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the Tampa game going this week. It's like you kind of yeah. just knew that, like, like this is one of those narratives that you hear about and you're like, oh, yeah, this is. And like in the Kansas City case, they were like, there was cluster injuries on that offensive line where there were people yeah. that had no business playing. And um, yeah. So that's what happened at least. Cause I, I went into that game thinking like, well, Kansas city will figure this out. And they obviously never did. Yeah. I think that defense gave you a 99th percentile day too. You know, they were at home, they were fired the fuck up and they played with. I thought that was all Tom Brady. The Tom Brady. <laughs> no. no, that defense was amazing, man. They Do were we, before we, before we move on to the Rams Niners, does that, game that tampa game how they went out what kind of perspective does that give you guys or does it change your perspective on brady at all well i I would say it seemed like he tried to force things a little bit to um the few targets that he is used to throwing the ball to i mean maybe this is the commentator saying that too but like it it, later on when he went to scotty miller more and other guys um so i don't know i don't it yeah, he looked. At, at, he it doesn't change his Miller legacy or anything. That's what was happening. Uh, fair point. It's although Scotty Miller was like a second round pick or something, right? He had five rounds in Edelman, so he's like Scotty Miller's got to be better. But I think that it, he, I mean, remember when Tom? Remember Tom Brady's last game as a Patriot against the Titans, where his last throw was that pick six? I think, right? I yeah. know. Sorry, Jeff. I didn't mean to ruin your mood. No, no, no. But, I what? But <laughs> wait, wait. But like he looked really old and washed up at that point. And so sure. I think it's, you look that way if you're, you know, if you don't play well, and if you, if you have a 15th percentile, 10th percentile game or whatever, you know, maybe the game plan sucked. I think, I don't think Bruce Arians is a fantastic coach or anything. I think, um, I think we probably all agree that, that at least. Um, we need to have Ed Teach on to talk about that game. I was and he just isn't a Bucks yeah. fan anymore, though. So he was just one year. He picked the right year, though. I was uh, cold on Brady's Buccaneers experience. Expectations were low. I'm a heavy NBA, you know, player level uh, kind of focus when it comes to the NBA, and I believe in the aging curve. I, you know, 100 believe that there's there are telltale signs that you're performance is tailing off and i would have told you after the last brady Patriots season that um there's enough evidence here to believe that you know he is on the tail end of this aging curve and it's not going to all of a sudden turn around just because he has weapons and just because he has protection um and just because he's so were you do you well he's got like alex guerrero about that or I, I I now would say I was dead wrong about that. I oh, thought okay. he was incredible. He was incredible last year, and his regular season this year was ridiculous. He should probably have warranted more MVP consideration, considering you know what they asked him to do to in terms of carrying that offense. Like people are like, well, yeah, he had great stats because they were having him throw the ball fifty times a game. It's not easy to just you know roll out of bed and say, hey, guy, you go throw the ball fifty times. Like that's like you know usage is a huge part of uh, you know what you know how you ought to evaluate MVP in my, my opinion, it shouldn't just be, you know, like uh, touchdown interception ratio was better for Aaron Rodgers, So he's the guy, but um, you well, know, I, mean, I think I, I would say I was wrong selling Brady as washed effectively <laughs> for lack of a better word, heading to Tampa. Um, and so I'm, re- I'm 
hesitant to say that, you know, this performance with the depleted Tampa team that clearly had flaws and clearly matched up poorly against their opponent tells us much about whether he could run it back next year and be just as good, be an MVP candidate again, if they get a little bit of uh, luck when it comes to health. Um, you know, I thought Tampa was a fair futures play preseason, even at a short price because they were so deep and, you know, so talented at every uh, meaningful position. And, uh, you know, the injuries just absolutely ravaged them. Yeah. I mean, but they, they still led the league in yards per play just ahead of, um, of offensive stalwart, the San Francisco 49ers, number two in offensive yards per play this season. Just, well, that's, just throwing that's, that out there. So that's a good segue into the Rams Niners. And wait, not just that, but they were San Francisco number one in the NFL by a pretty good margin in net yards per attempt passing. They are a off, they are a passing juggernaut. I don't know why Jimmy G is not getting MVP consideration given that. Um, okay, so let's go back <laughs> to this. Rams minus three and a half, total is 46. Um, Drew, what do you make the the spread and the total? I make spread three uh, and I make total 45. I played some under 47 and a half on the open, but the market moved pretty quick. So I don't have a very strong position there. And uh, obviously having a Rams Calcutta position puts me in a little bit of a, uh, uh, you know, do I go for a middle shot here uh, or just try to get involved with the Niners outright in a way that maximizes profit? Rufus? Um, Rams minus 2.65 total of 50 or total of 44. And I bet the Niners plus three and a half on Sunday, just it again, at South point because they had minus minus one ten, and it was, and because they, they will, they will not move their juice on around th- uh, on any NFL side. So uh, given that where the market was like plus three and a half minus minus one twenty, um, or plus three plus money. And so, Essentially, I was getting a VIG free price relative to the market and given where my number was. Um, and just also given um, that I probably, my number pro- uh, is, I think, probably using a little too much home field advantage. It is the third time these times these teams have played each other. So there's the, I, I believe in the sort of familiarity aspect of home field advantage. And San Francisco has already played a game at LA this season. Um, and so, and obviously it's a lot easier travel, travel wise, just, you know, they, same time zone, all that versus you know, going, I mean, going, if they had to go West to East, but I, I don't want to say I regret it because the number of markets three and a half everywhere now, but I also didn't realize how much San Francisco um, futures I had um, until I saw the, the only thing I have left, but <laughs> sad. Two real quick points on this. Um, my most likely outcome, you, you try to come up with the distribution of outcomes, right? And uh, my modal outcome is Rams win by three. My number two is the Niners win by three. And right, I mean, I that's had, always the modal outcome yeah, of every yeah. game, right? Yeah. The favorite when, winning yeah. by three. When, it, when it's this close, almost, yeah. And particularly with two teams with this much familiarity, pretty strong signal. The huge uncertainty about this handicap and the narrative that I think is worth exploring a little bit is what is the player level impact of how much travel the Niners have had to do since December? Um, and does that in, you know, does last week's particularly physical game have any shadow? Um, 
does, you know, th- this is this is actually, I don't know if you know this, but this is completely virgin territory here. If the Niners were to win, uh, no team has ever won four consecutive road games in the NFL going back to Wait, 1920s. No team has won four consecutive road games? Yeah, It hasn't have. happened very often. Oh, I mean, oh, oh do you mean in a row? In so a row, four, yeah. well, well, how many teams have played four back-to-back? How, wait, what's the sample size of four straight road games, though? I'm guessing it's less than 10. Uh, it's, in the tw- it's in the teens, high teens, I think. Because well, it, of it the, has but to involve the postseason. Yeah. No, nah, there was – back in the day, the NFL schedule was weird. Uh, and oh. there were some weird well, regular season stretches where, like, the baseball team had the month of October, so they put the team on the road for four weeks, you know? Like do that you think that's stuff. comparable? I mean, think about how bad air travel was back then and all that. Like, it's... Yeah, no, I don't. These guys are... <laughs> yeah, it's just... Yeah, know. but, but yeah, there, there's not a ton of... There's not a ton of sample to lean on. So, you know, what is... If you were to... Say, if you were to... If, okay, I'm, I'm giving you the opportunity here to make a, a big free 50-50 bet. Seven out of nine weeks on the road. Okay, this again. Yeah, it sounds like Jeff. Jeff, Jeff at, lives if, in San Francisco <laughs> and understands tra- and travels a lot. If like if you if you if maybe you he can give NHL, us insight. If you bet NHL, if you bet NBA, seven and nine is like fuck but, you. Know, fuck you. Like you're screwed, pl- right? Right, but but they're playing every day, every, every few week, days, yeah. rather rather they than every. They also get an week. extra day of rest, right? They get an extra. They do day have rest, the extra yeah. day of rest. But yeah, and, if you're gonna if you're gonna fifty. And where have they traveled to of travel? You know, the fact that they have traveled now seven of nine weeks, four weeks in a row is going to matter or is not going to matter in terms of play level, player level performance for the Niners this week. Would you say yes or no? If it's 50, 50, I I say no. I mean, think about like you're, you're, I mean, these players are, I mean, travel is not that bad these days. And you know, it's most of these, like I, or not super long flights. Like what they went, okay. They played at Dallas at green Bay at LA. Um, and then the other ones was, let's see, you're going back all the way to like December 5th and stuff. Like it's yeah, you're, full, you're, full month of December, full month of January. They've been home two weekends. Yeah. But, but they've, you, you said five, do you say seven of nine or five of seven, seven out of nine weeks they have been, they have played a road game, but also only this will be their seven. Also this, only five out of seven. You're cherry picking because then also you, if, only if, five out of seven. Yeah. If, if if someone says seven out of nine, it really means seven out of ten. Yeah, this is. I mean, yeah, you know, this is this is uh, uh, the point. I think I really was trying to get to though is just this doesn't happen often. I don't have any kind of sample. You know, I don't have anything I can point to that says this matters. It doesn't matter. I just know that. Uh, it's rare. And yeah, I mean, you know, the, even the sample size of three or four road games in a row entails a lot of, you know, long shot wild card teams that went on the road, 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 you know, and there's only a couple of those Tampa that were Bay. able to win three in a row. Tampa did it. Pittsburgh so, did it. Giants did it. But there's not a, there's not many of them. But that's because they're generally worse teams. The, they're generally the, the worse, worse teams. teams. Yeah, exactly. They're gen- yeah, right, right. Yeah. Right. Like it's. Right. Okay. So let's let's go back to this game for a second. You guys are painting a picture to me like Niners plus three and a half is the right side. Just from a pure number standpoint. Now we add in this sort of like Shanahan ownership of McVeigh, this sort of recent history. Like, should we think about that at all? And if we do, doesn't that make the Niners even more the right side here? 
Or, or do you say you, it's really hard to beat a team three times in the same season? That's what Rufus, I mean. So, like, there's you can make any not, narrative, right? I love Drew's laughing here. I, yeah. But we're not – so the Shanahan thing over McVeigh, to me, is not something that we would just laugh at, right? These guys know each other. They work together. Like, they're this is not, like, random, right? This is not, like, where you would be like, wait – these two coaches like this guy's clearly like you're saying you don't think there's something there at all like and this is a case i know you always say like oh if you believe this you should be able to model it you should be able to put it in your model this isn't something you can put in the model because the sample size isn't big enough and there's just not a lot enough like data to to do this correctly we need data on if they worked together in the past blah 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 if if shanahan taught mcveigh everything he knows about offense well you have to deconstruct potentially why it happened what whether there were you know i mean like there's some again to your point like are they underperforming like what they normally like i i don't know but my point to you is you're saying you don't give a shit drew what do you think i do give a shit for sure i mean i i i if I if the, if this was a relatively even head to head over the lifetime of these two coaches, I would be probably just riding Rams as opposed to really thinking hard about how much and how to hedge and you know whether to shoot for a middle in this game. And it's because of the way that the schemes fit together. Like in the same sense as I was kind of making the case that I think in hindsight Stafford's ability to deal with the aggressive approach of Todd Bowles defense was an easy like puzzle piece fit like a freaking glove right like the glove fit um this is this is like McVeigh's just never really works out well against the way that San Francisco plays defense and then the vice and vice versa like Shanahan always seems to have the right wrinkles incorporated <clears throat> in his game plan when he goes up against uh, McVeigh to you know to get the best of him and I don't think it's I don't think this is you know we're I mean, we're not making a leaps here about he owns him mentally and you know you know the, that he, McVeigh comes out and calls poor plays because he's psyched out like I think it's much more um, scheme fit type of a deal and I don't think you can look past the fact that the two head-to-heads these you know this season um Stafford didn't perform especially well uh, against the San Francisco defense. And it's because the San Francisco defense, in my opinion, can bring pressure without blitzing. They can keep, you know, they have so much depth across the D line that they have fresh bodies. They bring in waves. Um, And in general, the pass protection has been outstanding for the Rams over the balance of the season. And when the, you know, when you've been a defensive coordinator and you're like, look, we got to get pressure on these guys. We got to, this is an obvious passing down and you bring the blitz Stafford's got, exactly the right outlets to go to to carve you and that's not the way the Niners play defense they're not going to likely give him those opportunities um they're going to force Stafford to try to get it done the hard way he's probably going to make some mistakes in this game and the question is can you limit those to one or two um and you know what are the consequences of those is he taking points off the board for the Rams or is he you know giving short field to the Niners um you know I think that's those are kind of the, the high variance sort of angles that ultimately determine who wins this one probably. And you now I don't think this is, I, I don't think any way this matches up. They, they don't, you know, this in the same way that you could say with a high confidence, especially in hindsight that the Rams were the right side against the bucks. I don't think you can say it against the Niners. Can we, so Jeff, can we 
Wait, I, I would like to say something on the McFit, on this angle, not on the scheme angle, because I mean, Drew, Drew can speak to that a lot better than I can, but on the, just the head to head record. So did you know that if we were at the start of the 2019 season, we might be saying McVeigh owned Shanahan because McVeigh was three and one head to head against Shanahan before 2009, but he's been 0 and six since. So, I mean, I just look, that's why I think that that record means very little to me. Common thread was Jimmy G, though, Rufus. If you listen to all the people who want to make this narrative uh, argument, uh, ever since Shanahan's had Jimmy G under center, he's, he might be undefeated against McVay with Jimmy G under center. I yeah, exactly probably. I mean, we'll see. So that, that's actually, yeah. by the way, that's, that's where I was going to go next with this argument or this discussion. So one of the things that I, I don't say I believe in this, but I like do think a little bit about this is like the anti-narrative. So the narrative right now that's largely priced and is probably going to continue to be priced in the market is that Jimmy G sucks, right? <laughs> Everyone just saw what happened. You right? think it, he sucks? I mean, he's he's playing hurt, obviously, but no. But that's my point: is okay. he does not suck, right? Like he is a no. He doesn't suck. Above average quarter. No, but if you listen to anyone right now, right? If you listen to Kornheiser and any like Jimmy G sucks, right? Jimmy G, like everyone's like Jimmy G sucks. So my point to you is that, especially as this game gets closer, like it's already gone from three to three and a half. There's a, it, do you guys think there's a chance that it pops even higher? No, I think it moves more likely closer to three. Money that I'll just keep beating it down at three and a half. Yeah. Also, I think, I think, yeah, I think the market, if it goes any, if it comes in, I think if anything, if it moves at all, it's going to, to a, a juicy three by kickoff. I mean, you're I, definitely buying low on Jimmy G at this point and probably selling high on Stafford after last week. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody looked at last week's games. Think about how all the great quarterback play um, or, or the great quarterbacks that were playing. And, and look, we watched Josh Allen and Pat, Patrick Mahomes, um, and it looked like they were playing a different game and than Jimmy G was. And by the way, I think my favorite tweet was someone tweeted something about how uh, it's hard to believe that that Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen play the same sport as the Giants and Jets. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, think about that. It's yeah. But but yeah, Jimmy G clearly is not he can't do those things. And but he also has. um I mean, he has weapons. He has a good coach. They have a very good defense, which, by the way, someone said weak secondary. Um, the Niners have, have been one of the best teams. I mean, they're, I have them as 83rd percentile um, essential like unit rank against uh, the pass this season. So they've been pretty consistently good against the pass and yeah. the run. In that Green Bay game, they were missing their best cornerback. And it's amazing that that wasn't a distinguishing factor. Will he be back? I believe he will. He's trending in. Ambry Thomas, you ever heard of him? No. I've heard of him. He's been out for a while then, huh? Uh, I think he played in the Cowboys game, and he got hurt, and I think he's coming back for this one. Let me double check, though. He's he's very, very, very talented. And honestly, um, it looks like whoever they have kind of at you know the coaching depth in San Francisco is extremely good at kind of developing the young players. Like everybody, they're getting more than the talent level would have you would have expected from 
almost all of these guys who are taking meaningful snaps right now. I mean, the only guys you really know on this defense are Warner and uh, and Bosa and you know maybe Armstead if you pay close attention. But uh, you know the, the the other eight guys out there are all well, Josh Norman, really well. Norman. So much. Of, I think so <laughs> See, much. So of Josh defense. Norman came in against Green Bay, and amazingly, yeah. Rodgers didn't bury him. And this, I, I couldn't believe it. But so much with defense is having a cohesive unit because it's, it's, I mean, think about whenever you see a big play, how often there's a miscommunication or something like that, or one guy who was expecting the safety to be there and wasn't. It, I think defense is, I mean, on, on the defensive line, it's very much individual talent. But when you're grading out someone in the secondary, um, I think it's so much of its scheme and how people mesh together. Like there's the chemistry aspect. And I think you see that in the fact that, you know, I think what pro football focus has sh- shown that, um, or I've looked at their game grade or their grades for for um, players in defensive secondary and found that there's very they're, they're very, like very little predictive from year to year there, um, much less so than defensive line. So yeah, the uh, Niners brought in Ambry Thomas um, week as a starter. Uh, first game was week 14 against Cincinnati. They won. You know, they their defense ticked up meaningfully particularly their past defense from that point till the dallas game um and then he was out for you know he was ruled out uh for the green bay game but he is trending in and i think he matters especially with cooper cup uh potentially the matchup there you think they'll leave cooper cup in single coverage when like the only team had the team only has like 20 seconds and they need to get 30, 40 yards. <laughs> what what I want to know is what number. Um, <laughs> sorry. Because they play, they've played him twice, so they know not to do that, Jeff. <laughs> what number does the Cooper Cup receiving yards prop close at? Or what on Sunday? Or what number is available for me to bet on Sunday close to kickoff? Uh, if you were looking How for. How high does it get, do you think? Under. Uh, oh, of course. Of course, under. I mean, I. I'm going to have him projected very high, but given what he's done lately and the fact that this is, a, you know, a conference championship game, I think we're going to see a high number. It's, it's, it's one Oh two and a half right now at DraftKings. Wow. I think I was going to guess it gets to, well, no, it was, I got one and one. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's going to go higher. I, it, I got one one and a half last week. I think we see it. I think there will be a 112 in Ve- or 110 in Vegas. And assumedly, you're all looking to bet under. Oh, yeah. Right. I, I, mean, don't do, I will I don't have do him projected. Prop world, so I'll take your word for it. I, I had him projected for 101 yards last week, but that's a mean, not a median. And, you know, it's, I mean, I, I, I didn't bet a ton because I thought it was going to keep going up and I get a better number. And it basically was like, in the high 90s it, it kicked off i grabbed yeah. a few good numbers but okay uh last thing that i want to ask about given your so by the way you guys have thoroughly convinced me to bet on the niners like, <laughs> like no we can't do that our model do you, do you want the other side i can make a case for the rams if that's what you're if you need no, to hear I that if you need to hear rams. it i can make the case I, I know the case for the rams but what i find interesting in this situation for me at least is i mean i i just think we there was a lot of compelling stuff there because I, honestly like at face value you look at the rams line and you would say like that's short 
given like the fact that the Rams played so well, the fact that they're generally a better team, the Niners got Jimmy G, all this kind of stuff. Right. So I like the Niners case. Um, I don't think these teams are very different in quality at all. That's in fact, I think they're almost like I, I, I have, I have the Rams like a point better on neutral. Well, that was kind of the, that was our running joke all season about the NFC West is that like, who cares about the dog? Because the gap between A and B was so narrow that you almost certainly were getting value every time. And I think the dogs won, uh, I guess the Rams, if you count the Rams Cardinals uh, playoff game, then the dog was like um, one game over 500 outright. But, you know, they covered pretty regularly, which was, you know, because they were getting four or five points every time. I think I'm going to bet a Niners, uh, <laughs> Niners Chiefs tease. Let's call it a day. Have some yeah, fun right. with that. Are you going to, oh, are you, you're not looking to bet the money line, Jeff? I mean, I, I, I would know. always, like, I bet San win. Francisco. I'll tell you why I bet San Francisco money line last week. I bet that because I saw the, I mean, I want, I, I liked, San Francisco side, I looked, um, and I think plus six minus one ten available or plus two eighteen. I forget what the first number I got was. And I'm not don't make fun of me here, but I literally used the unabated uh, compare lines tool to figure out which one is better because um, I don't have that memorized. All right, last thing, uh, futures right now, Drew. Given your feeling about the Chiefs. Plus one twenty-seven worthwhile or not? I think the Chiefs won the Super Bowl on Sunday. So plus one twenty-seven seems worth it then. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Well, but not, yeah, it's not. A, what about it's, it's, relative to a money line parlay though? Right? I mean, yeah, that's, that, the, that's um, what that's the whole question. Yeah, relative to that, and also, yeah, I mean, yeah, if you're going to get involved with the futures, uh, you are better off taking that price than waiting for the Niners to upset the Rams. Certainly um, you lose value on that by like five or 10 cents. If the Rams win that game on Sunday night, that's it. I thought the market would think it was more. Uh, no, the look ahead lines. The only difference is it's a point difference or something, right? Yeah. What, what are those look aheads? Uh, I think it's two and a half, one and a half or something like that. That's it. Wow, I thought it would be Kansas City minus like I don't know. I mean, it, Kansas City minus three and a half or four against San Francisco. That's not what I saw. I'm. I don't know why I thought that. I just. Why are you yelling? Uh, at that's us? not a power ranking model. Let's um, see here. I think you gain a little equity if you're if the if the. Um, Niners win and you lose a little equity if the uh no you don't lose a little equity but you only gain a, a hair if the uh if the Rams win. Okay. So well, I mean so okay so basically right now you could lay minus 340 and if if you think that then Kansas City would be let's say if they win 60% like that's about what a 3 point favorite. So that would put you at 46.38%, which is plus 115. So based on that, you would say take the plus 127. Yeah, you right? was, it would, is but that a 10 cents, basically? Six, yeah, but, but you're saying if it's like, what? If, if they're a point and a half favorite, we're, we're saying like, what, 50? You know, you're having to lay the VIG. So 
53% or so, in which case it's actually only, yeah, that changes things a lot actually. So then it's like plus 144. So yeah, it, it really all depends on what you think that line's going to be with Chiefs and, and whoever they play. So it's close. Yeah, it is. Um, but all that said, I don't know. Like, I, like I, was, I think the market is still soft on the Chiefs because a lot of people are kind of going back to sort of the thesis there. A lot of people are basing their market yeah, fair. What if they, on... what if they boat race the Bengals, right? Which is, which is, there's a chance that that happens. We all know, right? Oh sure. If they boat the, race yeah, the Bengals, there's a big, there's a big old. If the Bengals lose by forty, <laughs> then I, yeah. then I win one of those props for the Calcutta. So I I'll take the that. Bengals plus. Actually, one. let's uh, let's figure out how to get. Let's figure out how to torture pizza here. Um, there's a way that the Bengals have. There's a score where the Bengals have the largest loss, but the Bills retain the largest win against the spread. In which case, oh, I don't even know yeah. who's ahead on this. The Bills I'm ahead are... on the Bills with the 26 for 25 and a half points against the spread ah. against the Patriots, and then pizza has a 30 point loss. Pizza. <laughs> So you need you need the Bengals to lose by thirty one, and, um, uh, and then I retain the uh, yeah a thirty so forty one to ten can we can we agree forty one to ten gets everybody home happy. All right, so that's what I'm betting on. I'm betting. Is there an alternate line that I can get? I might take an alternate line on that now. One hundred percent. Pretty Let's excited see. about that. I actually I have, haven't seen I have DraftKings open right now because I'm looking at futures because I wanted to see what numbers they had for these. Uh, Features things where, where game lines do that. They have alternate spreads here. And this is like when we realize that we're still recording a podcast versus <laughs> three of us just workshopping what we're going to bet this weekend. I mean, I is, like is there a difference? Are really? in, people are interested in the process. Isn't that the whole point? Yeah. Wasn't it the other week like we, we both bet something? Jeff and I both bet something while we were recording it because we were talking about it. We literally it. moved yeah. the line like 30 oh. cents or something. It was hilarious. That's what they do also on the RJ Bell show. Like when Fezzik bets something, it just moves on that show. It's crazy. But they have fancy sound effects probably. And, and real production and better mics and a lot of things we don't have. Oh, and listeners. They probably have listeners also. Good for them. Yeah. Listeners are overrated. When you have listeners, you get complaints. We get complaints. We just don't have listeners. Uh all right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. This was Hey, can I ask Rufus a quick question about the uh, the Farmers Open? For sure. Is yeah. this one that you enjoy? It feels like this one has fun in running wrinkles because of the North Course South Course thing that it must be a fun one to handicap in bed. Am I crazy? I absolutely hate multi-course events and think they should be <laughs> outlawed forever because it requires it means I can't use the same code like then you have okay. you have to you have to, you know, um, but if that I, affects you, it affects everyone, presumably. Yeah, I mean, I, I I've switched from, from I guess scraping the tee times myself to using the Data Golf API. Did they started they yes, the course they started in there. Playing today. They started today. They're yeah. trying to not conflict with the uh, with the games on Sunday. But oh, so they'll for me, be done on they'll be done on Saturday. Yeah. But Drew, for me, it, it's just annoying, and especially the three course, multi course ones, because then you have to cut after the third round, and I'm like. You have to, you have to get the rotation correct. It's basically just, I have to add some manual things into my code, and it's just, it's really annoying. I'm not a fan. 
God. I'm taking Kansas City Chiefs to beat this beat San Francisco exact outcome in the Super Bowl. Plus 300. That seems really good value. So the um on that one, I bet you if you did a uh, a two-leg parlay leave an open spot for the Chiefs, I think you're gonna get like three. You're gonna get a little more. Yeah. What okay, so you can get right now plus or my, I guess minus three forty. Um, actually, minus three thirty if you're blind shopping. Um, what do you, What do you guys think about Burrow? Minus three thirty and plus one sixty three. That's what is that? Had to do some math. What do you guys think about Burrow to have the most passing yards this week? I think he has the most passing attempts, and I don't think it's that's even that controversial. Um, you can get him plus two fifty five to have the most passing yards. Reasonable chance they're down. Reasonable chance there's. A lot of meaningless yards. Meaningful, meaningless. I don't know. How about Cam Akers comes back and rears his ugly head with the most rushing yards? That guy going to get the reps? He's going to get the touches after what he did? I think he will. I think they have a corpse known as Sonny Michelle as his alternative. So, I mean, I think he's going to, right? That's what I'm I'm, worried. that's what I want to know who gets the carries after this fump. Right. I mean, given the fact that like, I mean, he went, he was 24 for 48. He wasn't setting the world on fire and he fumbled twice. I had, if, it, I, if Tom Coff, wait, if Tom Coughlin was the coach at the Rams, you know, he wouldn't be playing. He wouldn't well, have played after the first fumble. Time. Nobody would show up on time. But Jeff, you should not bet that the plus three forty because what, with what you can parlay right now, just parlaying the first two, um, yeah, I, I'm getting you. plus two forty three or plus two forty two point seven. No, I, I was, just and then kidding. and then that other not, leg. Not really even funny. if it's even if the Chiefs are only fifty percent there, you're still like, I mean, that's a, I mean, what, like, what about five. what about Edwards Alaire as Edwards Alaire as the I, most rushing yards? Yeah, I bet you the Chiefs in the Super Bowl against the Niners are going to be like minus one eighty. You're probably going to get like closer to plus four twenty if you do the three leg parlay. Okay, what about? I'm back to props now. Alaire? Edwards Alaire. Man, it's tough for me to really see the Chiefs going away from their passing game because it's been so, so, just so dynamic. And honestly, the Chiefs are funny because they put, they put away the game with the pass as much as they put it away, you know, more so than other teams who flip, you know, flip to the run. Um, the only times that they really have super high usage in the running game, it's to me is like when they're truly, over, you know, they're, they're well better than their opponent, and they're like, we're not going to call the good plays in this game. I kind of feel like either of the Rams guys is the right choice for the rushing yards, Akers or Michelle. Well, well that's how I mean that's a situation where you have to realize there's certainly high variance in the usage, and so um, in terms of how you're modeling, the I mean, Michelle's there. like plus plus nine thirty two. I mean, you have Elijah Mitchell, who is like plus 120. That seems terrible, given the fact that like they give so many carries to Debo anyways. Wait, is this just in this game or of the whole weekend? Of the whole weekend. What do you mean? Okay. Oh, no, of I thought four, it was of most, the four most rushing yards yeah, of the four. Of, okay, of, it wasn't just that game. Yeah. No. yeah, Elijah Samuel. I mean, not Elijah uh, Elijah yeah. Samuel. Elijah that, that's Samuel the running back for the well, Sanford. You get yeah. both of their credit for both of them i think elijah elijah mitchell gets a ton of carries um i think he's he's I mean, been I projected missing practice him. this week for what it's I, worth he's been missing I, practice Ooh. both him and trent williams have been missing practice this week yeah well oh, god i told you we should bet on the 
Yeah, yeah, I was going to give you the reasons to bet Rams. Those are two big ones. Uh, yeah, George Kittle limped off the field against the, at the end of that uh, Green Bay game. Debo Samuel was limping, although he just got, you know, bruised knee or something. So, no, I'm kind of hey, all it's in. It's January. I, Everybody's hurt. I already bet the Rams minus three. So I'm looking for a chance to just unload on the, on the, on the Niners, anyways. So I feel like that's a good number. So I can unload and hope for a middle and maybe, you know, see what happens. That's uh, my most likely landing spot. I'm like at my most likely score for this game is 2320. Literally, go. I think, I mean, I would think, I mean, how high does the spread have to get before um, favored by three is not the modal outcome? Like double digits. Oh, no, still. No. I, no, if it's around, if, yeah, if you're six and a half, seven, seven and a half, you're, oh, you're, three, you're, three, you're seven, favored you're, by three is so much more likely than favored by seven, even there. You think the Not close. outcome still falls Not on close. three, even if the spread is seven? Exactly. Yes. 100%. Huh. All right, guys. Let's let's let our listeners go to bed. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. I'm going to look into that now. I'm curious. Um, Shoot me a message. Cool. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the exact numbers. All right. And I'll, I'll send you guys a link to the uh, this business we chose with uh, Spoon. That was my favorite episode of that series. Appreciate that. And right. appreciate you for coming on. Like oh, this, was, this was fun. This was this was a lot of fun. Appreciate you for saying that people listening to our podcast. So thank you for that. <laughs> he thinks seven <laughs> listeners is impressive. I mean, I thought that his podcast was doing so much better, but like, <laughs> well, he didn't say his podcast. They, was they doing might only work. have five. <laughs> he was like, "Rufus, don't get ahead <laughs> of yourself." All right, we, thanks for. You sounded yeah. impressed. Yeah. Yeah, we're coming for your seven. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> They're not mutual. They're yeah. not mutually exclusive. All I needed was the invite to be led onto this podcast. I'm stealing all seven. Perfect. <laughs> uh, if you guys want to listen to Drew and more of this witty banter, it's the Deep Dive podcast that he does with Andy. I mean, I guess you're both Andy, so there you go. There you go. All right. Thanks, guys, for listening. We'll talk to you guys all again next week. Numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. The bottom line is watered down. It seems like they don't get it. Puppeteers are put to end just running off a of leaded. 